Welcome to the Naples Community Church Podcast with Pastor Kurt Anderson. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you find this sermon inspires you, builds your faith, and gives you perspective to see God moving in your life. We trust God has great things in store for you. Enjoy today's message. Abram is thinking about dying. He's thinking about what it means to be at the end of his life. I, I will say he's beginning to get on in years. He's 99. So he's finally beginning to think that he may not last forever. One of the wonderful things about this virus is that it is allowing us all to be confronted with our mortality, our humanity. That, that we live these days and the only thing that we know is life. And yet there is a terminal point for all of us. And this is a reminder to all of us that this life has its boundaries, its limits. So we're being faced by our mortality, our humanity. And I love it. Drive into my neighborhood and more and more people are out all the time walking the streets. Young couples with their kids. I saw this one little boy with his, his little bike and he had one of those helmets on with spikes on the top and he was so cute. And, and then on a corner was, were a bunch of older guys sitting around in a circle. And as I went by, they all reached forward with their beer bottles and, and clicked the necks together to uh, start their time together of fellowship out there on the driveway. And, and also in the neighborhood was a, a gentleman who was very bow-legged, walking with a walker with a little teeny dog uh, strapped to that walker. And I, I just thought, what, what beauty. How beautiful is this reality of life? And how beautiful it is when we realize that there are some severe limits to our capabilities, that we're all human, we're all mortal. We'll, we will all of us one day die. I had a rather brutal awakening of that reality just yesterday. I was out on my bike and um, I, you know, I have this kind of attitude that, you know, real men don't wear helmets and that kind of thing. And, um, real men don't wear, wear gloves and don't protect themselves. And, and especially if someone in governmental authority is going to tell us to wear a helmet or tell us what to do, <clears throat> well, so I, I was out riding yesterday and, and I, was, I went from the street up onto the sidewalk and then I found myself heading off the edge of the sidewalk into some bushes. And I grabbed my brakes and I braked the front brake too hard and I went over the top of the, of the handlebars and fell on the sidewalk. And um, kind of thought, I hope nobody saw me do that. And I thought, Here's a man my age out there riding his bike and falling off his bike. Last time I did that, I was a kid, but you know, I, I felt so silly. And I had a couple scrapes. And then this morning, when I got up, I felt some aches and places that I didn't know how I had places. And so it was just one of those things where I, I came to realize that, that, that uh, you know, that it's different now than when I was a kid. 
And I FaceTimed with my daughter. This thing was memorialized on Facebook yesterday. I did a Facebook Live right after that. And, um, and she said, Dad, wear your helmet. Well, it's one thing if a governor is going to tell me to wear a helmet, but if your daughter tells you, I'm going to get a helmet. <laughs> I take care of myself. I might get some of those, those shields for my legs that like catchers wear and, you know, maybe some shoulder pads, whatever it takes. But um, I don't want to set a lousy example for her three boys, all of whom have to wear their helmets. So if they have to wear their, hel their helmets, so does grandpa. And so it is. But our, our coming face to face with our limitations. And when I, again, when I woke up this morning, I thought nothing of what had happened yesterday, but then I could feel it today. So it's different now at 67, as opposed to being seven and falling off a bike. So at 67, begin to think about our mortality. This was something that I was awakened to just as, as Abraham was awakened to it. And for Abraham, he was, as I say, going on in years and wondering what's gonna happen after he goes. What about all of his stuff? Now, you'll remember Abraham left Ur, then he left Haran because God told him to go God told him to go to this land that he would show him. And Abram went to the land, and there was famine. And then he had to go down to Egypt to, to get food. So he hauled everyone from Canaan down to Egypt. And then in Egypt, he, uh, he had to kind of lie about who his wife was because his wife was so beautiful. And, you know, the Pharaoh would take her into his harem and all that sort of thing. So he had to kind of fib or fib outright to, to survive. And, but Pharaoh blessed him and gave him a bunch of stuff. I can imagine Abram had found life difficult enough in Canaan. And here Pharaoh gives him more sheep, more goats, more of the same stuff he already had. And so he goes back to Canaan. It's like, well, thank you, Pharaoh more mouths to feed, more people to take care of, more of the same. And so the promise of God, the call of God, and this promise that he was given, and then he's with his nephew Lot, and they look out over the land, and, and Abram says, okay, you're just a kid, so you choose which land you're going to take. And of course, Lot takes the Jordan Valley, thick and green. Abram takes the dry scrubland leading up to the Mediterranean. And so where's the promise? All of this stuff about promising God, promises from God. Then he has war. He goes to war and he fights and, and he wins, but he doesn't take, any, doesn't take any spoils. He gets blessed by a priest of Salem, king of Salem, a man named Melchizedek. But he gets no, he gets no spoils. So the promise of God, what difference has it made? It's just life. And it's, it's life that's really no different, essentially, than it was before. And now, it's wondering, 
about his mortality. And he begins to argue with God a little bit. Who's going to get my stuff, God? I got this servant. I guess it goes to him. It's a good boy. It's not what I had in mind. How does this fit your grand eternal plan, dear God? So Abram is in a bit of a time, has a bit of a time with him. And then God says, Abram, you're going to have your own son. You're going to have your own child. Here, step outside. Look at the stars. You're going to have more descendants than what you can see. You're going to have a huge and mighty nation of people. So up to this point, nothing has gone right. He's done what God said to do. Life went on pretty much as it always had. And then Abram still believed. He didn't say, God, I can't accept your word anymore. Because after all of this time, nothing really has changed. Yeah, we live in a new place now, but nothing's really changed. But he believed in God. And by belief, I don't mean he just believed in God's existence. He trusted God. He trusted in who God is and what God said he would do. And in trusting, God counted that as righteousness. The Apostle Paul lifts this up and says that it is by faith that Abraham did what he did. There was a New Testament argument then that, that emerged with, with the Apostle Paul and after Paul James who said, Abraham believed, but can that belief save him? Faith without works is dead. But the reality is, if we have faith, the works of faith will issue forth. We don't work in order to earn our salvation. We have our salvation by faith in Christ and that change in us, because we are so loved, it has the impact of changing our behavior. And we issue forth in right works because of being loved. That's why I'll get a helmet. <laughs> Not because it's so good for me, but because my daughter told me to do it. That's the impulse of love the impulse of grace that issues forth in a changed life and in obedience because we are loved. So Abraham knew he was loved and he took God at his word. And he went on from there. And of course, nothing happens. He gets this promise from God and and still nothing happens, so he tries to take matters into his own hands. He takes Hagar, and together they have Ishmael. And over a decade later, it isn't until over a decade passes that the promise begins to be fulfilled. 
and Isaac is born to them, to Abraham and Sarah. And what is so relevant to me in this is that that's the way life is for all of us. We know what God says. We can read it in the, in, in the scriptures. We can pray things. And we can pray things and then say, okay, God, game on, game time. But nothing changes. And in response, we still have to have faith. We have to trust our God in the face of the realities of life moving forward as they do. We just trust our God that, that he has us, he holds us, and he has an eternal home for us. We have to believe that and trust that, even though reality simply presents itself in a very different way. So for Abraham, he, sometime later, over a decade later, begins to see the fulfillment of God's promise. There's a dear woman in my church in Texas, very wise elder of the church. And at one point she said to me, this is when I was a young pastor full of vim and vinegar and all kinds of ambition and everything else. And she said, Kurt, there's really only one legacy that you really leave in life. And that's with your children. Your own legacy, your only real, your only Legacy really is with your kids. And obviously that stuck with me. And the legacy of Abraham is with his kids. Think about it, who some of his kids are. Spinoza, Einstein, George Burns. What would this life be without George and Gracie Burns? Got a kick out of him. He said, before he died, he said, if I was going to live so long, I would have taken better care of myself if I'd known. <laughs> and Paul and Jesus, the children of Abraham, the legacy that he left multiplied out through his children. You realize that of all the Nobel Prizes given out, 20% are to Jewish people. And Jewish people constitute 0.02% of the world's population. But they get 20% of the Nobel Prizes. And so it is that the promise to Abraham was a promise that he never realized would ever come true. He never saw it until Isaac was born, but then, then Isaac was, he was just a kid and Abraham lived his life and then finally passed, having left one boy. And so he never saw it and we won't see it. The promises that God makes to us, we don't realize what it is that he's going to do through us but how critical it is for us to realize that we have an opportunity, all of us, to leave some legacy of faithfulness, to leave a legacy that, that represents God's faithfulness to us.
primary legacy is always through our kids. We leave legacies every time we show kindness to one another. We leave legacy every time we, we acknowledge the, the goodness of other people. We leave legacies with giving of ourselves and giving of our substance. We leave legacies in so many ways. But the initial promise to Abraham was that he was blessed in order to be a blessing. Blessed to be a blessing. And so are we, for we are all brought into this family of Abraham. We are all inductees into the, into the promise of God. All of us blessed, not for our own sakes, but for the sake of the world that Jesus loves so much, that God loves so much, that he gave his son to die for that world. And so we carry on that blessing. We carry on the, the legacy of Abraham as those who've been grafted in to the great work that God is being that God is doing in and through his people. So we leave a legacy, all of us. But that's not a construct of our effort. That's simply the response that we leave because we've been loved, because we have received the grace of God in Christ. And because we are so loved, we love others. Would you bow with me in prayer? Thank you, O oh Lord, that your dictates are not of law and grinding obedience but motivated by the power of your love and your grace at work within us. Lord, we thank you that we have been so loved and thank you that we can trust you even when it seems like you're not there. That we can trust you in your faithfulness even when our faithfulness fails. Lord God, we give you thanks and praise that we are a part of a great movement that goes forth until that day when your son returns and brings all things together into him. Thank you and praise you in his name.
Cause what if your blessings come through raindrops? What if your healing comes through tears? What if a thousand sleepless nights are what it takes to know your need?
If you enjoyed today's podcast, there are a few things you can do. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at www.naplescommunitychurch.org. If you happen to be visiting Naples, please drop in for our Sunday service at 10 a.m. We'd love to meet you. Thanks again for joining us. Have a fabulous day.